Welcome to the iSmart Podcast Show with Tom Rogers, founder and CEO of iSmart Networks. We help connect entrepreneurs with key partnerships to build financial freedom. The average millionaire has seven streams of income, and our guests reveal how they created multiple streams in their businesses. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around for the end of the show, where I'll reveal how you could be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily transformational podcasts on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Thanks for joining iSmart Podcast. On the show today, we have Jim Chase. He is the founder of Kenosis Ventures. In the early 2000s, he pioneered manufacturing of digital electronics in China. Pretty much like was that person that uh, really developed all the infrastructure and that kind of transition from going from the, the old way to the new way in China. So we're going to talk about that. It's going to be pretty interesting, really phenomenal. He's also... Um, you know, kind of like the Tom Brady of career transitions. He's done a lot of different things in his life. So I'm um, really, really happy to have Jim on the show. How are you doing today, Jim? Great, Tom. Happy to be here. So we have a lot of things to talk about. I did want to go into a bit of your, you know, where you, where you initially came from. And we can go into um, also, you know, how you were able to pioneer uh, the digital te- electronics in China. Where, where, where are you originally from? Well, so I grew up in Southern California, actually up in Orange County, and uh, went to school at Cal Poly Pomona. Got my engineering degree, my bachelor's and, and uh, master's degree. Started out as a practicing engineer, and then switched into the dark side of the of the semiconductor space, and became a, a, a marketing executive, leading a number of uh, projects for a variety of semiconductor companies over a twenty plus year career up in Silicon Valley. Awesome. So you're so in Silicon Valley. That's where you kind of had that position where they were starting to reach out to China and you're sort of marketed like these technologies over to them. Yeah. In the late nineties, we were at the beginning stages of the whole digital media transformation and things like DVD technologies were just emerging. And I worked for a company that was developing the core processors for DVD players, kind of think of it as the way Intel develops the main chip for a personal computer. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a unique marketing strategy where we would build an entire DVD player using our chip. And then we took that design package out to China and taught many companies how to build DVD players. They were getting huge investment from both the um, Beijing and the local provincial governments to convert from agriculture to manufacturing. And we would come out and teach them, here's how you build uh, build a DVD player. You buy our chip, you buy these other parts. Here's how you uh, build it in the factory. Here are you adjusted. I've been on many factory floors in China in the early days before automation, where there would be dozens upon dozens of local workers that came in from the rural areas to learn how to build those. They lived on the company premises where they had high-rise condominiums. Typically, the owner or chairman would be in charge of running the business, and his wife would be in charge of running the dormitories and taking care of the employees. They would, would have their entire company in one single building and all the employees yeah. and everything would live there too. Typically two company, uh, two to three buildings. There'd be one building for the manufacturing and the building adjacent building would be the high rise condo where they lived and basically worked 50 weeks a year, seven, six days a week. They would get Sundays off. 
but they would stay there and they would eat there. It was like a big commissary that the oh, wow. uh, chairman's wife would run. It was an amazing transformation to see China go from the right. Yeah, it was, it's quite an experience. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, everything from cars to infrastructure to construction to even within the, the companies now, their manufacturing techniques obviously have evolved tremendously. If you look at what companies like Foxconn do, you know, there's it's all automation and robotics now. But back in the early days of consumer electronics, it was a very uh, labor intensive process. So you were in the, that company from the 90s up until the 2000s or so, or what was it? Uh, it was several companies doing the same thing from the mm. 90s and basically until the financial crisis hit. Um, I did one st- small startup right before the, the financial crisis hit, and, uh, and, and that one set me back. I think the, the week after uh, the financial crisis, uh, after the big crash, there was a, a famous uh, uh, announcement um, from it's called RIP Good Times that one of the venture capital firms in Silicon Valley released, and a week after that, my startup was uh, basically shut down, and that was the first day I hadn't worked from the time I was eight years old. So it was a interesting uh, time, and at that point, I started a, a consulting practice. I did a little bit of consulting and some. It was my first time really in transition, and cobbled together you know enough ways to you know take care of the family during that period. So during the whole process, though, you were kind of, these were massive companies. We were like Silicon Valley, like, kind of, you know, they were, they were pioneering the whole technology space. And so you're working, were you working closely with the CEO and the founders of these companies, like through the entire transition? Or like what yeah, I was, yeah, so there, there were a number of, I mean, it said several different companies. Some of them were multi-billion at that time. Others were in the four to 500 million range. So okay. a number, you know, it was a very dynamic period where, uh, there was a lot of money available in Silicon Valley for companies to get investment, and it was very easy to um, come up with a product and go out and generate sales. If you had something innovative, you know it was a it was a dynamic time. It was kind of the the golden age of the semiconductor industry, really, where high level of integration, the companies that were building chips really kind of controlled what the actual end products looked like, how they functioned, and were able to go out and grow businesses pretty quickly if they had something that that met market needs. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, so what I'm trying to figure out is, you know, uh, is, is how you got exposed to entrepreneurship and business through the whole process. What was your main motivation or influence during that? During that, those, I mean, that was like almost 20 years, right? Right. So it was about 2007 when I left uh, a company to go to work for a startup. I saw a inflection point where these devices, the things that we have in our living room were went from being islands of capability. You know, you would have a DVD player or um, or another box, a set-top box that would talk to your TV. And this was just as the whole idea of connected devices were coming on board. And so I went to work for a company that was really focused on doing that and kind of helped lead the strategy for that company. Okay, how do we add internet connectivity to these boxes? And how do we work with um, uh, content providers, whether it's social media companies or online streaming platforms, Mm -hmm. to really up the capabilities of what boxes can do? And uh, so that was the, it was just a passion that I had. I saw where the technology was going. I wanted to get involved in the, in the next wave of digital entertainment. And that's kind of what drew me into working with this, this startup, working for the startup. 
So, so is this what I was the head of business done? development. No, uh, so no, this is uh, no. Kenosis Ventures is something that happened after that startup. So once that startup failed during the financial crisis, that's when I went into my own. Okay, so this is a different company. Practice. What was this? What was this company that you that you started? So that, uh, that was a company called that was a company called Ubicom that you no longer exists. It's actually part of Qualcomm today. Ubicom. <laughs> so you guys. So you, did you have any kind of equity share in that company? A small amount, but. When the company fails, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Okay. But they, it doesn't they, but, matter. But then, but then you said that you know they got acquired. So I guess it was just yeah. like uh, they got acquired. Uh, yeah, they, they got acquired. Yeah, but it was for a very small amount. So okay. it's not. It was not, nothing material. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So so when when it was that acquisition happened? What year was that? Uh, I. Th- think it was about 2010. I had, already, I had already left the company. There was a skeleton crew left. I think they were acquired in 2010. Okay, sweet. So, so you have so, 2010, and then when did, when did uh, Kenosis kind of come into the position? So Kenosis started, actually, I started it originally in 2008, right after the, fi- early 2009, right after the financial crisis. It's a focused, uh, this is a practice focused really on consulting and helping okay. companies, big and small, through uh, you know, through inflection points, trying to figure out, particularly in times like now, you know, crises. If you look at something like COVID, it it presents a lot of challenges. It also presents opportunities, and mm-hmm. companies are always looking for ways to take advantage of those inflection points and figure out how to come out stronger. Yeah. And uh, my clients are typically typically mid-sized companies, uh, the bigger companies, you know, they do this all day. If you look at a company like a Qualcomm or an Intel, you know, they have teams that are constantly working on trying to figure out what's the next product they need to develop, what's the next business or the next market they need to go after. When you look at um, a small companies, really small startups like I've worked for, they do one thing, right? They, they only have the resources and the funding to go after one particular opportunity and one particular market. So they will work on that until they get a customer and they'll go serve that. And hopefully it's successful and then they can kind of grow organically from there. Mid-market companies, companies anywhere from say 100 to 600 million in revenue are kind of stuck in that in-between. They, they have a healthy business they're running like crazy to keep that business successful, but they see the change that's coming. It's, you know, they, they, they either see opportunity to um, position themselves to be acquired or they're seeing they're trying to avoid being acquired by finding a new market sector to grow, uh, grow into. But they mm-hmm. simply don't have the resources of people on staff to, to go do that because they're just so busy just trying to keep the lights on and keep the business running. So that's where our my clients typically come from. And uh, today I'm, I'm dealing with areas like 5G and Internet of Things and AI where there's so much investment. It's kind of, we're, we're kind of hitting a new wave um, of, of investment uh, in the hardware space. I, I said I tend to be a hardware guy and we've had probably a 15-year period now where very difficult to find um, investors or find a lot of new development of small hardware companies. It's really been the big companies that do it. But we're now starting to see this new phase where these small and middle companies can can, can grow and establish some, some unique capabilities in new areas. And so why is that? Is that just because of 5G or IoT? And that's kind of like the reason why the hardware is becoming a larger space you can invest into and you can grow into? You have a unique combination where you've got a lot more capability, right, in terms of bandwidth from 5G and and, and um, 
the ability to have small, very accurate sensors, whether it's cameras or microphones or uh, other sensors that can monitor the environment. So you've got all this technical capability, and now you have this um, proliferation of of use cases. I mean, every company in every industry is trying to transform digitally, whether it's uh, oil and gas exploration and uh, or if it's agriculture, smart cities, every every industry is seeing ways that they can integrate technology into their systems beyond the traditional you know information technology of word processing and emails and communication they're now seeing that by adding those capabilities and having access to um, technologies like 5g they can ex- uh, really improve the efficiencies of their company yeah no i mean I agree with you 100%. We're going through this crazy transition right now. Uh, and if you're not staying ahead of the curve, then you can help you're investing money and time and resources into things that really are just not going to make an impact. So what are the things that Kenosis uh, that, uh, is kind of focused on as far as certain companies or like certain technologies or what is, what is like some of the highlight reels that you guys have done? Well, so, you know, so, you know, we, we've been at this for about a year and uh, right now we're focused on a couple of things. One is digital media streaming and the other has been uh, um, um, data center efficiencies. And so I've done a, we've done a number of projects for clients trying to figure out how to take advantage of their capabilities and go into new market segments in the area. One is in, you know, professional video connectivity. The other one's been kind of in data center video processing. Uh, and I've had done a number of projects in that space. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm working with a couple of prospective clients right now that are looking at low power artificial intelligence uh, and, uh, and uh, I, IoT um, um, connectivity for, uh, for asset ma- uh, management and track and trace. So there's a few other projects that are on the horizon is now, uh, right now. Kenosis was a little bit dormant. Um, I actually, as a consultant, I, uh, I actually took a, uh, took a, uh, uh, a W2 job for a few years. Sometimes that's what happens when you, when you do a lot of work for a client, they want to bring you on as a, you know, dedicated part of the team. So I did a, I did a, a six year with a company and just in the last year and a half now, I've kind of brought Kenosis back on to, to focus on the, on the consulting projects. So you guys are looking, you're you, mainly Kenosis is interested in working with, you know, companies that want to, you know, kind of create new strategies and transition into um, this new space. It's like 5G kind of IoT, like whatever it is, you know, AI kind of space. You can help transition these things. That's right. My ideal client is somebody say, like I said, 100 to 500 million in revenue. That's, that is trying to figure out what to do next. They think they have, that valuable IP, they're hearing the buzzwords of IoT or AI, and they want to figure out how they can play in that space. And then I will work with their management team, help understand what their capabilities are, put together a strategy, look through what potential partners they might need, or if they need to inbound some additional IP to take that capability and really turn it into a sellable product, Hmm. and then try to put all that together into a meaningful strategy and I'll even go the next leg. I have obviously with, uh, with, with my uh, um, relationships and networks, I'm, I'm actually able to help go out and uh, negotiate some of those deals, do some early customer validation. So I'll, uh, you know, I'm more than uh, capable of being able to take that. My team is to go out and 
do a full product strategy, roadmap, validation um, plan for them. Yeah, love it. Um, so that's, that's awesome. I mean, you know, I think right now we need people, you know, like you, Jim, more than ever before, just because this, this whole transition right now has just been really, really intense. There's been a lot of things going on. Um, you know, the stock market has just been kind of just all over the place, you know, and it's, you know, it's kind of volatile, like everything's, everything is just kind of crazy right now. So what do you, what do you see as far as, um, you know, right now we're in this whole transition in 2020 into 5G. What do you see kind of um, what that looks like? What does the future look like? Um, do you think like after we're kind of through this period, uh, so that way, you know, entrepreneurs can kind of think ahead and uh, and ensure they're in a, in a good, healthy, um, powerful spot at the, at the end? Well, I, I mean, again, I'm focused on the hardware side of it. So if you look at the broader digital transformation, it's affecting every aspect of business. We're already seeing that the productivity of having remote workforces is uh, is very stable. We, most companies have made that transition very easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're, we're all working from home. You know, you're doing this, I'm doing this remotely. We're able to do this as if we were sitting in the same room together. Technology is only only going to improve that. We are seeing occasions where the system gets taxed, but adding more bandwidth like 5G or uh, the benefit or the reduced latency that 5G brings will just allow a more and more distributed business to survive. Uh, we're just going to be able to get things done faster and at more scale than we uh, have ever been able to do before. Yeah. Definitely. Um, one question I think that people have, uh, you know, with 5G specifically, is that, you know, there are concerns about it on, on a health kind of uh, health kind of, uh, kind of focus. So, you know, with the amount of like hurts that, you know, they're projecting and, and everything, do you think this is somewhat of a damaging thing to like, be, I mean, I'm not sure if you're an expert in this whole area but yeah, yeah i mean i'm not I, right i'm not I, i'm not a, a doctor or, or or a physiologist i can tell you that i've worked in rf and, and wireless for many many years what most people don't know is that a lot of the 5g uh is actually using existing frequencies that have been used uh for decades We've repurposed, we've recaptured some old television spectrum and used some of the existing cellular spectrum for 5G. And then some of the higher speed ones are done in uh, bands that have been used before as well. And, you know, we have um, a lot of regulatory compliance and testing that goes into this. I'm personally not concerned at all about it. And I've been uh, working in wireless for, like I said, for uh, 15 years or more. I haven't grown a third. I haven't grown a third eye, you know, or <laughs> sixth toe. So I, I'm, 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 I mean, I understand. I, I don't want to minimize the concern. I think we should, any new technology yeah. poses potential risks, but I think when it comes to things like uh, our wireless spectrum and how we're using it, you know, we're, there's a lot of research that goes into that. And it sounds like there's a lot of benefits that outweigh the, you know, the possible risks, right? Like, and we're going to have driverless cars, you know, coming and picking us up, like utilizing 5G network um, to be able to do that whole process. So, I mean, there's going to be a lot of creature comforts um, through the whole network. 
I, I, you know, uh, there have been risks associated with every technology advancement since the time, you know, the caveman developed the wheel and rolled it over his toe. So, I mean, <laughs> you, know, you know, there's always... There's there's always some inherent risk. What was it? I heard that uh, when they when they launched the uh, light bulb um, initially, that it, they thought it was some kind of magical spell, and they were cursing certain towns, and they wouldn't write it again uh, or something with Thomas Edison. Like yeah, oh, all this stuff's crazy. Fear of the unknown, right? There's fear of the unknown, the, right? Yeah, hundred um, percent. So during this whole time, like with the pandemic and everything, and this whole transition, I mean, Hispanos um, is kind of like continue to grow we've gotten you know new new partnerships how are you guys doing this during this full time great question you know actually uh what we saw is that right when the pandemic hit all of the target clients that i'm working with basically froze all spending you remember big the big companies we've had a big tech run-up and the big companies have huge war chests so they're continue they see the opportunity they know that hey during these inflection periods is when you really want to start investing for the next phase and you're trying to analyze, understand what is the world going to look like after COVID. And so right. the big companies have done a great job of that. And that, and that's been reflected in the stock market, small companies, you know, really it depends on what their investors see. Uh, they, you know, if, if they happen to be working on something that looks like a good match, they're going to survive. Others have not. It's the mid market companies that are really the ones that have struggled. They've basically locked down or had locked down, um, for a few months, all spending just because of the uncertainty. And, you know, as any, any healthy business owner, as you want to, you know, you'd be smart with your cash mm-hmm. and be smart with expenses. So we saw a big slowdown, uh, you know, starting in kind of the, the late March timeframe and uh, some of the prospects that I was working on to put projects on hold. But I would say just basically in the last week and a half, things have started to um, ramp up again. We, you know, typically summer tends to be a little bit quieter anyway. People are out, you know, they're gone. This year, obviously, they're not gone, but you know, they still did kind of take a little breath in you know, that July August period. But now we're, I'm seeing a number of new opportunities come, so I'm starting to see a pickup, which is great. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's great to hear. Um, so you mentioned that you were looking essentially for you know companies that from 100 to 500 mil, so technology-based companies that are looking for additional. Um, you know, maybe strategies or some way that they can, you know, start to transition and go into this whole 5G, IoT, like technology space. Um, you know, what specifically, um, what, what specifically, I know that some, some of the values that you can provide them, but uh, what specifically, you know, uh, like what's your kind of bread and butter as far as like the, the best? I have lost you. Provide? Can you hear me? Hey, Jimmy, there. Uh, I'm back, Tom. I okay, lost perfect. you there for <laughs> about 30 no seconds. That was like a Fox News. Okay, we're uh, we're on Fox News Five. Or Jeff, that's right. Are you that's there? right. <laughs> there you uh, go. This is this is another example of what 5G will improve. <laughs> 5G is going to improve this whole space. Yeah. So so specific types of companies um, that you could that you can provide the most value to. Is it is there certain industries that you're you know you're 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 kind of uh, you're kind of main focused on, or was your kind of bread and butter in that whole section? Yeah, for me, it's uh, the telecommunications space, uh, the the consumer electronics space, and 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 the manufacturing spaces. Some of the industrial, some of the uh, industrial IoT is probably where the most um, progress is being made today. Whether it's companies doing things like manufacturing flow optimization, cold chain for food processing, uh, mentioned oil and gas, those are areas where. Um, there's a lot of investment and a lot of opportunity to improve profitability and organizational efficiency through 
um, through technology solutions. So those are kind of some of the markets that uh, the verticals that I'm that I'm targeting right now. Perfect. Awesome. And then Jim, how do, how do people get a hold of you if they have a company in that space and they're looking for um, some additional, you know, um, help like strategy uh, sessions? Do you, I mean, do you offer like kind of like just have like a conversation with any of these, any of these people and just kind of see what they're doing and maybe what they're what they need help with? Yeah, typically the, the process is typically we'd have a, a preliminary phone call, understand what they're looking for, see if there's a fit. You know, uh, you know, I, I want to make sure that I'm the right person or my team is the right team. I do have other colleagues that I work with. So if I'm not the right person, I can put them in contact with somebody else. I want to make sure that the problem gets solved first and foremost. Assuming there's a match there, then we kind of have a follow-on session typically where they'll have two or three of their people that are really involved in the day-to-day that have their pain points that they want to try to get solved. And so we'll have a you know an hour to two-hour session on that. And then I'll come back with a proposal. And that proposal kind of says, okay, well, here's what I heard and here's what I'm seeing out in the market and here's how I'd like to go about putting together a, you know, a project for you. And then we'll see how that matches align that up. So that's kind of the typical flow of how um, how a relationship established. I love it. It sounds super, it sounds super easy and quick. Um, so Jim, how, how do they get a hold of you? Do they go to your website? Uh, Kenosis Ventures? What's the normal? Yeah, you can go to www.kenosis.com or email me at Jim at Kenosis.com. And, um, and you know, uh, there's no, there's no uh, question too, uh, too tough or too uh, simple. If you, if I can help, I'm happy to do that. And uh, if I can't, I'll try to help find somebody that can. There's a lot of technology companies out there, a lot of SaaS companies, a lot of people that you know uh, have been on the show that are running companies like this. So we'll definitely um, we'll definitely make some connections there. If you, anyone of you guys you know need help transitioning through this whole space, I know that there's a lot of a lot of changes going on. I, it sounds like Jim has decades of experience, um, just kind of like you know wading through the waters of you know digital electronics and how it's transitioning through the time. So. I would definitely reach out to him uh, and just kind of give him a give him a phone call. Really appreciate you being on the show, Jim. Is there is do you have an email address you want to kind of put out there as well? Is that what that be? Yeah, it's a Jim at Kenosis.com. Oh, Jim at Kenosis.com. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Cool. Great. Well, thank you so much, Jim. Really appreciate you being on the show today. And uh, guys, if you want to reach out to him, it'd be great. And we'll we'll talk to you soon. Tom, thanks very much. I appreciate the call. Thanks for listening to the iSmart Podcast Show. If you are a business owner with multiple streams of income or professional who would like to be on the daily program, please visit iSmartNetworks.com slash guest. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you do that, tag us with hashtag iSmartPodcast. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. What do you win? We'll promote you and your business to our media fans totally free. Can you also hook us up? In your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. While you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow. That's right. Seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Thanks for listening. And thank you for being a part of the iSmart Podcast.